Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 33. As we always like to do, please share, download, leave a review. Help us get this podcast to grow. But we're going to get it to grow in a big way with a very special guest, my good friend, Adnan Verk, the Cinephile Podcast. Also works with MLB Network, and we spent eight great years together at ESPN. We'll talk about the industry. We will talk about Canadian soccer. We know you're listening in Canada. We're looking to branch out there. And uh, I've been instructed to build a Western Canadian fan base. So hopefully Adnan can help with that. And we'll talk about Hollywood. We'll talk about Ted Lasso and why it has been such a big hit after scoring so many awards at the recently concluded Emmys. So here we go. The Soccer OG. In stoppage time, we'll talk about the League's Cup. And also the job, the new League's Cup, which is coming out in 2023, and the job that is being faced by Jesse Marsh and why he has to be given the benefit of the doubt and long tenure at RB Leipzig. Let's go. All right, what a weekend we've just had. I mean, great week. The international calendar is going to be charging up again here in about a week and a half. We've got Champions League coming your way as well. We're going to crown a champion in the Copa Libertadores, Sudamericana. We talked to Juan Arango last week. Nice weekend for American internationals after a, a rough one recently because of injuries, some indiscretions. Uh, but over on my Soccer OG YouTube show, which you can pull out on my uh my YouTube page, Max Bretos. I will have a new episode coming out Sunday night, uh, and it will be about the top five strikers in the U.S. program. Who do we lean on to? Who's going to play number nine? Who's going to score goals for us? It's very interesting based on what has been happening all over the soccer world here in the United States, certainly with a couple candidates as well as in Europe. So we'll talk about that in more detail then. I did want to talk a little bit by, by the way, just real quickly about what we saw, and you, you'll get better served here in other places uh, as to what we saw. But I was really happy with seeing what Arsenal were able to do. Bukayo Saka, uh, th- this guy with the weight of the world on his back to be able to respond the way he has and have his star shine so bright. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale, who I was very critical of Arsenal for spending a boatload of money to bring him in from Sheffield United. In hindsight, I was wrong on that. Ramsdale is a huge difference maker for that club. So Arsenal coming back in there. Emmy Martinez and what he did for Aston Villa to get the Manchester United. Result, we're seeing a goalkeeper with so much personality where he challenged Cristiano Ronaldo. And these players don't know how to respond. It's amazing to watch. So uh, very good to see that. Uh, on a side note, did want to say, we beat you, Europe. Ride a cup. Hello, ride a cup. Uh, the U.S. team just throttling the Europeans. And I just wanted to tell our friends in Europe, we got the Ryder Cup, and next winter we're taking the World Cup. Maybe not the United States, but someone in the Americas, perhaps in South America. It doesn't matter. It's us against you. The lines have been drawn. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm a flag-waving American when it comes to stuff like that, as is supporting our own. And of all the things that happened I was thrilled to see RB Leipzig beat Hertha Berlin 6-zip. A much-needed win for Jesse Marsh. I mean, he's not under pressure, not based on anything we're seeing. He's been given the vote of confidence. The folks at Red Bull know what they're doing, and they support Jesse 100%. And, but the results weren't going great. And they did have a nice battle there in the Champions League, even though it was this goal shootout against Manchester City. But they competed. And now this game over the weekend, I think they're up to ninth. So it's, uh, I, I, they has to have time because I watch this because I know, and we'll talk about this with my special guest, Adnan Verk. I just recorded the conversation. It is incredible. You will laugh. You will cry. Well, you won't cry, but we will reminisce and we'll talk about a few things, not so much soccer related. Uh, we'll talk about Canadian soccer and what it means in Canada for success there. And we'll talk about the Ted Lasso phenomenon. Because he does his podcasts on movies and TV, and uh, he'll let us know what, why it was such, uh, why it was received so well. But I want to get into Jesse because 
Americans always have to jump through hoops. I've said it before. You can argue with me. But in soccer, Americans have to do a little bit more to be taken seriously. It could be a broadcaster like myself. It could be a player. It could be a coach. It could be a referee. Uh, there's always like, oh, American. So it's a huge job for Jesse Marsh, and we need him to succeed. Uh, you know, what happened with Bob Bradley at Swansea, it was just a mess. And it, 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 it may have pushed back American soccer a bit, not because of anything Bob did, but because of the perception from the jump that he had to deal with. Um, and I work with Bob uh, with LAFC, and, you know, we've talked about it a couple times. And I know he famously told Taylor Twelman, he goes, I wish they didn't call me. Because it was really handled poorly on their end. And he wasn't given enough time, even though he didn't get the results. But um, you're supposed to get at least the transfer window to show what you have. And now it's on Jesse Marsh. And if this succeeds, doors will open. And people won't be hesitant to to vet a guy and let him to come through. So I just want to know, let people know how difficult that Leipzig job is. Because they are a selling club. They are accruing a lot of transfer fees. But they made the semifinals of, and it's been a launching pad for managers there. They made the semifinals of the Champions League. They made a round of 16, I believe, last time out. So they are embedded with the top clubs on the planet, regardless of how they are viewed in Germany. And they sell. We know Timo Werner and many others were sold. And then they had two incredible defenders in Diot Upamakano, who they sold to Bayern Munich. Ibrahima Konate, who's now at Liverpool. Uh, Marcel Sabitzer left. Uh, I, I, I believe that he had some incredible salary demands, so he was going to go, and he went to Bayern Munich. He wanted to go to Bayern. And Sabitzer is one thing, but to lose these two world-class defenders, and granted, they got about $100 million in transfer fees for both of them, but to lose your two best defenders and bring a new coach in and expect him to just deliver is folly. It's not going to happen. So I'm glad that he's given this opportunity. And I am pulling for him, and I watch these Leipzig games. I know Jesse. He's a wonderful man, and I want him to keep the job, too, as well. So I want to go to Germany and see some games and get the red carpet treatment. But I was really happy for that more than anything else. Okay, busy show. Coming up on the business end, the one and only Adnan Verk will have some Hollywood stories that you have to hear to believe. And stoppage time, we'll talk a little bit about the League's Cup. This is the Soccer OG. Subscribe. Let's do it. Back here on the Soccer OG, we're in the business end, and usually the business end, we uh, hook horns with someone to talk about the beautiful game and get into some arguments, do a little bit of a pivot here, although we might have, we, we may have some arguments here, but more than anything, this next guest who I have known for, well, he'll, he'll tell you all the time about the years, because he has them all marked, is uh, a good friend, worked with him at ESPN, and we stay in touch, and more than anything, Leland, who helps me put this together, has looked at the... Uh, the analytics of the soccer OG says you're doing well in Canada after the Christian Jack interview. You've got folks in Toronto, Montreal. You need to keep building in Canada, specifically in the West. So like Vancouver. So I'm bringing in Adnan Verk and Adnan, I need you to get me some numbers up in Canada, specifically in British Columbia yeah. or what else is out there? Uh, Saskatchewan? No, Saskatchewan is more in the Midwest. Middle. Uh, yeah, the middle. Uh, but Manitoba. Manitoba is a little more east towards Toronto, but it's oh, fine. I can, I can take care of British Columbia for you, Burnaby, BC, uh, obviously Victoria, Kamloops, and Vancouver. Uh, we got Alberta, Edmonton, and Calgary. I'm going to give you that West Coast push. You're Good. West Coast, Max. I'm West Coast adding in. It's great to see you again, brother. You know, I love always catching up with you. And the soccer OG is doing great. Listen, the last time I saw you, we were in LA. I was calling a fight for zone, and you told me about this. I said, bro, like, this is amazing. The fact that you'll be able to do this by yourself, your own gumption, your own resilience. Christian Jack was fantastic. Old buddy of mine from the score. Great yeah, soccer. The Canadians, yeah. the Canadians are doing great for me. I expect big moves for you, even though I just screwed up Canadian uh, uh, geography. <laughs> geography pretty badly there. Whoops. I always go by Grey Cup, you know? Well, this was like the first shift we ever worked together. You said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Toronto. He's okay, great. It's almost like you filed it away. Yeah. And then we're coming on camera, and I'm thinking, this can't actually be real. Like, I'm thinking, well, we're on television. It's ESPN. you got to be formal. And you said, uh, Max Bredos coming up alongside the Toronto Argonauts season ticket holder. I like, what the hell is this guy doing? Nobody knows who the hell the Argonauts are in America. This isn't going to play well in Mississippi or Alabama. No way a season ticket holder. Like, this guy's a loose cannon. I want to get listeners in Alabama, too, for the record. So if you don't, just go easy here. Yeah, but the fact that you were just, 
You cared enough to find out where I was from and then started making about 12 jokes about it. Like people joke as Canada, Canadians were so inferior, we're so grateful when Americans know anything about Canada. And you run off the top, we're like, buddy, Croc Rock, the keg, you name it. I, I'm Mr. Canada. <laughs> you knew so much. Croc Rock, which is no longer there, but I was single at the time when yeah. I told you about these stories. <laughs> and you would go there and it would be a good place to maybe you know, have a couple of drinks and meet some people. Yeah, that sounded was, terrible. Disregard yeah. that. It was like a cougar haven. Generally, a cougar older, haven. Yeah, all the older women. And for you, younger-looking guy in a town, hey. that's like shooting fish in a barrel. Like, who's this hey. Benos guy? Do you want to go? And then I love the keg. I was very loyal, which is a, a steakhouse yes, chain right. there. Great, it's good. Love the but people keg. make oh, fun good. of it. They go, "Oh, the keg. It's pretty good." Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's great. People rather, well, it's not like it's Ruth's Chris. I'm like, well, who the hell is comparing it to Ruth's Chris? Who yeah. can even say that? Ruth's Chris. Like, I don't like the apostrophe there. I don't Ruth's, care. It's like rivalry week, which we yeah, have to yeah, say yeah, at ESPN yeah. so often. The worst uh, way to say it at ESPN was Red River Rivalry. Every single time it was screwed up, you go, God, who cares? Can't we just say the big showdown in Texas? Red River Rivalry. Here's the trick. You got to do it in a Keith Jackson voice. You go, Red oh, yeah. River Rivalry. Keith Jackson. Oh, Nelly. Keith oh, Jackson. Nelly. <laughs> I wear women's underwear. Just kidding. I love Keith Jackson very much. He's my favorite announcer of yeah. all time. Uh, we should mention the Cinephile podcast. You inspired me too, where you do a podcast of your first love, yeah. the movies. And oh, you saw, you saw, let's just let's get this out of the way. All right. Hey, before, before you get, you did mention the fact Keith Jackson, my favorite announcers. I was so excited when she started working in soccer. I said, tell me about Ian Dark. Because as you know, I said, I don't get to follow soccer nearly as avidly as you do, but I love watching the World Cup. And of course, I love watching the major events. And I said, Martin Tyler and Ian Dark, those guys are great. Like Martin Tyler is so professorial and Ian Dark, I love his energy. And you said, yeah, that's an interesting description of both. You go, Martin Tyler is great. He's a legend, but he's a little bit long in the tooth now, a little bit dry. He's still, he's still calling still, games. Still calling way. games. But you go, Ian Dark, you go, I could totally see I know why you like him. He gets fired up. He gets, and the best was that goal. It was Landon Donovan. And he goes, an absolute firecracker. And then they use that like in every second. He goes, and then there's another goal. He goes, go, go, USA. That was incredible. I'm like, you don't give a crap about America. You're English, man. But he just he's paid him these dollars. And that was the goal. Go, go, USA. Oh, it's incredible. I'm like, wow, Ian Dark is losing his mind. He loves Landon Donovan. Ian Dark is a class act. Last I saw him, we were in Nashville and everyone went back to the hotel. And I go, Ian, you want to grab a beer? He goes, sure, let's go. We went to a honky tonk. He goes, I'm having a rather good time here. I go, me too, Ian, me too. I'm having <laughs> you a told me the Ian Dark story. I think you guys are having a gin and tonic. And he was up to maybe three and a half an hour. And you're like, I should have said, ah, one more. I'm like, all right. He shook. It wasn't, he didn't, I don't think he had three, but it, it was like, the, it was just ice in the glass and he shook it. And I can hear the sound of the eyes going, kick, 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 kick. and I was like, what a beautiful sound. That's what I have one more. Yeah, I was right there. Time. I'm good for uh, gin and tonics. Not my drink of choice, but you know, gin yeah. gives you, I, I know you don't drink, but uh, right. gin uh, gives you a different high, so to speak, when you drink. Yeah. For me, I get a little rowdy. So I stay away. So I'm like, like whiskey, you kind of sit in your chair and you relax. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I have a brandy and a cigar. That's Michael <laughs> Kane. And then you sit in there and then, but then with gin, you're like, all right, let's go. Well, the, the, there was a couple times related to the opiates, right? It's closer to yes. those. It's like an upper. So it's people very different. Exactly. You're right. People tell me, they go, if you're a depressive, you should have tequila because that will bring you up a little bit. But I remember we'd have some nights driving home in Connecticut and the storms and the snow was awful. And one time you texted me, are you doing okay? Like, did you get home? We live five minutes from each other. You're on a tungsten road. Oh, and uh, I was at Clover. Yeah. And I, I said, you okay? And you go, bro, I think I spent out three times. I was white knuckled the whole time. I'm having a couple of drinks right now to steady my nerves. That's whiskey. Picked, that's a whiskey, whiskey one. Yeah, that's a <laughs> Johnny Walker. <laughs> by the way, the, the Toronto Argonaut season ticket holder was also followed by a pinball Clemens drop. <laughs> that's right. You did mention pinball. And, and then we, these jokes. we're talking about the Canadian Football League and people are like, well, shut up. Put the damn Padres highlight on, idiots. And I'm sitting here talking about Milt Stegel, the greatest Canadian Milt football Stegel, player of all right. time. And we went on and on. <laughs> but I remember after that first show, like, listen, I'm looking at you like you're a veteran. Like, this is my first show. Like, all right, you tell me how I did. And you go, no, I like it. You go, I think you're good. You got a good air about you. You're very likable. Pause. You go, a little quick. But, you know, I think that's kind of, that's kind of, your, I would, you know, that's kind of your energy since you're five. He said, but I, I think you're good. And then after I, I told my wife, Amen, and she goes, I watched the show. That guy, he's, he's crazy. Like, he's all over the place. And I was like, yeah, he was fun. She goes, I bet you two are going to become really good friends. And she oh, was like, and we did. Yeah, that was, that was May of 2010. She nailed it. She goes, you guys are going to get along well. 
I, we, we had one lover spat that one time, and then we, oh, we came back terrible. around. We I, know, I felt terrible. I know. Me too. I felt bad. Can we be I still think about it sometimes. Like, really? Somebody asked me. I do. I was like, I wish that I feel happened. terrible about it. That was bad. I, I feel terrible. Because I, I said, God, it was just, it was so mishandled by both of us. But I, of course, such good friends. Like, I wish, I like to be able to look at our life and say, hey, 50 years of friendship, and we never had one quarrel. And then we're yeah. going to say, well, we actually did have one quarrel. It's good. <laughs> I think right. It's only one. Yes, you're okay. Yeah. The friendships are strengthened by that. Now, yeah. You talked about when we first started working, and then you always had this list, the list of the 2,000 anchors. And ESPN has not added – they've added like two anchors since 2010. But in 2010, they added eight. So it was you, me, Sarah Walsh, yeah. um, Cole Steve Wright, yeah. Don Bell. Yeah. And who Weisman. am I missing? Steve um, Weissman. Steve Weissman. Is that it? The class yeah, of you, 2020. Class of 2010 was you, me, Weissman, Sarah, and Don, and then Cole was right after us. Okay, so uh, one by one they they left. <laughs> <laughs> so we lost Don Bell, Steve Weissman is doing it, the Tennis Channel. He's going to be the Real number great. one tennis anchor in the yes. business here very Which soon. Which is his favorite sport. I mean, he loves it. It's great. He loves it. He's going to Paris. He's hanging out with Federer. Yes. Uh, he's you know he. He, he's on oh the Champs d'Elysees, like the shop, yeah, those shots and strawberries. Okay, okay, Weissman, yeah. get back to LA. Let's go play no, some no, tennis. He's like tight with Paul Anacone. It's amazing. Uh, John Wertheim, I love it. It's great. <laughs> Did you just drop a Paul Anacone? <laughs> My God, he's, he's, he's always with Paul Anacone. <laughs> They're playing, God. right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Cole left. Cole's now with the Cubs. He's doing great. He was living in great, Southern actually, California. Yeah. We were hanging out, and then when I moved yeah. back, he moved. So I was upset with him. Sarah yeah. left. She's now working with the NFL and doing stuff for Fox. And it was just sure. me and you. Yeah. And then you're like, like 2017 would roll around and go, hey, <laughs> seven years, man. Seven years you've lived here right. in Connecticut. Do you ever think of that in a million years ago? <laughs> no, not really until you bring it up. <laughs> Eight years in Connecticut. Did you ever think? And you'd say it every year. I go, would you right. shut up? And I'd always <laughs> pick an opportune time where you're feeling pretty good. Like I wasn't merciless enough to do it when you were down and bring you even lower, but I pick it up where you go, Hey man, I did the soccer show today. I felt pretty good about it. I'm making some inroads. I had a good meeting with Glenn Jacobs. I think I'm getting my foot in the door. Of the MMA. And I go, yeah, I can't believe you've lived eight and a half years in central Connecticut. What, you, what you've done to your wife, Helen and Max, you son of a bitch. Like that was always the biggest challenge. People say, Oh my God, I can't be worked at ESPN. You reach your life dream. And you say, it was great because of you and because of Steve and Don and Deuces Rogers and Mike M and Steve Bunin and all our friends. It was great. Of course, it was a wonderful experience, but Unless you've been to Central Connecticut, you don't know what it's like. And only <laughs> people said to me, they go, well, you're married? I said, yeah, they go, you'll be fine. I go, what do you mean? They go, if you're single, you hate it. There's one stretch in West Hartford, Connecticut. There's one stretch in Hartford, and that's it. And single people hate it. Every chance they get to go to Boston, New York. But you're married. You're fine. And I said, I'm married. I'm not dead. I'd still like something to do. And what? you, as a guy who loves live music, you very quickly found out there's nothing around here. Yeah. New Haven was some live music. I go down and get some pizza. I thought it was harder on married folk, but this is the, I, I didn't, in hindsight or in retrospect, yeah. I didn't mind central connecticut and i kind of miss it a bit and you're close you can go to rhode island you can go to vermont to ski you can go for rhode island for the beaches you go to new york it's two two and a half hours you can right. go to boston my problem was that i worked every friday saturday and sunday <laughs> for eight years not great for the family life not yeah. many and at night so not many dinners so that was a part that kind of you're right. Up. There was no consistency with our schedule. And you're right. The single guys, because the same thing they would complain about. They go, I got Monday, Tuesday off. I'm going to go meet some nurse in New Haven. Like, what, what am I going to do with this? This is horrible. But you're right. For us as well, we want to spend time with our families. There was never any consistency. And this is one of the big things. Chris Singleton texted me the other day. Of course, it's a great job uh, on Sunday Night Baseball. He's been radio. He goes, man, I miss watching you on college football. I said, I got to tell you, it, it was a fun That's a hard shift. I go, that's a 15-hour day. You know what I worked this Saturday? Five hours. You know what I did? Because you retweeted the tweet. I was with Pedro Martinez and Carlos Pena. I watched baseball for a few hours. Like it, It's such a better lifestyle. And listen, ESPN was great to us, but work-life balance, what you're doing now in LA and me living in Jersey, it's not even close. So look, we want to have a good time here, but I want to bring Adnan so we can talk about the industry because I think people listen into this and this is a good benefit. We, we, we can maybe give you some advice or to say, don't get into it. By all means, find become a dentist <laughs> or, or a vet or something but uh uh needless to say we were the last two members of the class of 2010 and right and, and now we're, we're both gone and now the class of 2010 is no more it's been expunged and you're right that that 
That piece of paper I had, which people go, how did you get that? That looks like a government document. It was every anchor there and when they started. So Linda Cohn was 1992. Steve Levy, 1992. Uh, you know, Robert Flora, uh, Nagani was 2006. And so I would say stuff like, I'm like, oh, wow, Nagani's reaching his 15th anniversary. Like, how would you know that? I go, well, he started in March of 2006. They go, how do you know these things? I go, I have this paper. Like, oh, my God. Like, Randy Scott was blown away by it. I go, anybody can get this paper. Like, it's not that big a deal. But it was the fact that you wanted that piece of paper is what's... <laughs> Is what's but, but it was good to keep tabs because if somebody left either of their own choice or for whatever reason, you just cross them off and go, okay, where am I now in seniority? And you and I started, we were anchors 48, 49. By the end, I think we were up to like 24, 25 in terms of seniority. So if you think about that, in nine years, 25 anchors gone, half of your workforce. It's crazy. Right. But we would always sit there and they'd say, look, the senior guys will move along and you'll right. take their spots. They never left. No. And they're and still so, Levy, right. Bucci. Yeah. Kenny just left Kenny Maine and right. David Lloyd's still there. David Lloyd's been like 20 years. Nobody even knows it. What? Guys, get out of the way so I can get in these shifts. Right. It never happened. But that, and was, that was the big thing. Everyone's like, just be patient. Lori Orlando, who was great to us, of course, she was uh, the head of talent. She said, listen, uh, cream always rises. Like eventually you'll get your chance. But I'm with you eventually. Like, no, I, I can't. They're not going to fire Chris Bourbon so I can do NFL countdown. It doesn't work that way. So um, I, I was going to say, we have to get this out of the way. We have so much ground to cover here. Lila so this, was giving you direction there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I can see you get a cinephile behind you. Yeah. And um, you were at the Beacon Theater. You've been at the Beacon Theater more than the Allman Brothers. And just to give uh, the Allman Brothers would go to the Beacon Theater for you. 10 days every year and perform. <laughs> Fortunately, Greg Allman died a couple years ago. So no more Allman Brothers shows. So you but it was a the great tweet that you said. I merely retweeted it because I said <laughs> only Max would have a tweet which is both specific and very funny. Like it's not, if you had said you put the beacon more than the Rolling Stones, you'd go, oh, I guess it's more known as a concert venue. It's more for music. That's the joke. But you were very specific. I know the Allman Brothers really played the beacon. So if you knew the Allman Brothers, oh, it makes sense. The brothers are back together. No, but I was there for not. the taxi driver 45th anniversary. I was there for the Godfather 2 anniversary. And now I was there for the Many Saints of Newark world premiere. How like, was I it? Hundreds of times. Well, think about this. The movie is opening in theaters this Friday. I live in North Jersey. Like, I literally live where all the Soprano stuff is. People come to visit. My brother came. I go, I'll show you the strip club. The Bada Bing, Lodi. It's 15 minutes from my house. Um, Holston's, which is the final scene in the diner. 18 minutes from my house. It's in Bloomfield, New Jersey, home of Bob Lee, Anish Shroff, and Mark Schumann. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, it's, it's just Sopranos land I'm living in here. And Anish Shroff getting the drop. <laughs> Anish Shroff called the Florida State game to, this weekend. Oh, yeah. So I had to listen to him and Golik Jr. And Anish Shroff is dropping Shakespeare quotes. And I'm, it's yes. killing me because we're, we're losing 31 to 7. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But he's one of the most highfalutin guys we ever worked with. Like you said to me one time, some of these guys' references, I'm like, oh, yeah. He would drop Greek literature on us. I go, this is just ridiculous. It's like, what? <laughs> is that a first down or not? How was um, the Sopranos? Uh, what's so, it? So, so think about it. The movie's coming out. And rather than just wait a week, I said, no, I've got to be the first one to see it. You have to I'm be. I'm paying $180 for tickets, $40 or $50 for New York parking, uh, $100 for the babysitter. But the key was I also got into the after party. So first off, the movie. I thought the movie was excellent. And I think if oh. you're a Sopranos fan, you're going to love it. Here's, here's the key of the movie. The more invested you are on the show, the more you'll like the movie. So my wife, Eamon, I forced her to watch the show a couple of years ago. She likes it. She watched me and goes, I think it's a good gangster movie. That's it. Whereas I'm going, oh, no, no, this crowd was going to. And the crowd was so good, Max. It's like you at a concert because you, they know all the winking references and Easter eggs. And so the crowd was so good. I implore people, listen, I, I take, it's all seriously, I'm double vaccinated, but go to the theater, wear a mask, to be able to laugh with people. It's such a great joy. The after party, which you're gonna love. This is the best after party I've been to since you and I crashed the Critics' Choice Awards a couple of years ago. That was really good. This party we walk in and I told him and I said, listen, nobody's gonna be here. These things, they have them, but honestly, you get a couple of hors d'oeuvres, you get out of there. And then she looks up, she goes, oh my God. And she's open face. Like she, she's not like everyone. Anybody. She's go and she sees Steve Buscemi and Buscemi kind of gives her and Steve Buscemi is not in the movie. He directed Pine Barron's famous episode. And he was in season five. So he gives her a, Hey, how you doing? And I go, Hey, Steve, how are you? And I go, Hey, I'd love to get a picture. He goes, actually, I'd rather not. I'm not doing that. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I got completely shut down by Steve Buscemi. I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> Meaning I'm the dick for even asking. He's with his beautiful Asian wife. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I go, I just want to let you know. I love Fargo though. He's like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. All right. He walks away. And then we look over and we see David Chase as dour as ever, just a miserable You're guy. You're like, do I, I ask him for a photo? <laughs> <Yeah>. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. But then I saw Stevie Van Zandt. I mean, he's just, he's, he's just puffed up, swollen. I go, oh my God, my man, Michael Lombardi, I do the GM shuffle with the Adore Springsteen. I said, God, he would lose it right now. Stevie Van Zandt right here and Maureen Van Zandt. 
Then we look over. So it's the whole cast. Alessandro Nivola, Gandolfini's kid who I talked to. He was great. I was like, hey, man, did your dad prize a call? Thanks so much. Get to, the, get, to, get to the one oh, I want to know about. Okay. We get to Corey Stoll. Shavira Formiga looks great. Low-cut dress. The moment looks over, she goes, oh, my God, it's one of your favorite actors. We walk by. I'm like, Ethan Hawke is there. Ethan Hawke is not on the Sopranos, but there he is. And he's chatting up. You're going to love this because when I mentioned to you, you go, half Cuban. Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale, yes. Bobby Cannavale's there with his beautiful wife, Rose Byrne. I go, man, what a table. Ethan Hawke, Bobby Cannavale, Rose Byrne. And then and Ethan and 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 <laughs> and right in. And You just slip yeah. right in that table. Hey, guys, who, yeah. who's this guy? Look what's going on, guys. Another gin and tonic? Are you good right now? Then Leslie Odom Jr. comes over. Here's the most shocking one. We look over and I go, oh, my God, this guy is persona non grata. He got caught up in Me Too. He hasn't made a film in years. And I was shocked he was there. I'm sure just a couple of friends never left the table once because I'm like, if he goes to take a piss, I'm going to just intercept him and just start talking to him. He did not leave the table. His butt was there. He's like, I'm not going to go anywhere. Was Matt not Lauer? drinking. I don't know. No, 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 <laughs> I was not drinking. I noticed he had like a Coke or a Diet Coke. Weinstein? No, of course, obviously not. The star of the disaster artist, his last big film. Oh, that guy. What's James Franco. Oh, James Franco. I thought you actually meant the real disaster. No, no, not the real guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. James Franco. I mean, Seth Rogen, who's one of his close friends, openly said, I'll never work with James again. Wow. And they go, what is your friendship like? He goes, I'm not going to get into that. And I think what happened. Obviously not that good. No, I think, I think Franco must have lied to Rogen. Like, I think he probably said, hey, did you, like, did you molest these women? Like, and he's like, no, of course not. Did you do any nuts? And then the stories came out. Rogen's like, hey, you lied to me. Like, if you're a friend who screws up, right? If I was in jail for whatever it was, you would defend me as a friend. Go, hey, I don't, I don't defend what he did, but he's my friend. I'm there for him. Whereas Rogan and Frank must have had some sort of falling out. So just imagine that party. If you were there, I go, God, Brett Austin and I would be just be working yes. in this room. I didn't know we were going to go this direction. But first of all, let me just recap a couple of things. You know who's from Lodi, New Jersey? Which is where the Bada Bing is. Uh, yes. Satin Dolls, yeah. The uh, Misfits. Glenn Danzig and the Misfits. <laughs> Glenn Danzig. Oh, God, so i and so just, you know, the, and I always like to rattle, I always like to rattle the people who love Bruce Springsteen. I go, yes, yes. Misfits, best band from New Jersey. Like, what? I go, okay, I'm, gonna write I'm this standing down. by that. Sorry. Glenn Danzig and the Misfits. Okay. The Misfits and then Glenn Danzig who sang with them. He's going to write it down. See, I give him some music tips and he'll listen to it. He loves oh, yeah. uh, Ted Nugent. And because uh, I told you about it. And everyone hates Ted Nugent because of his political views. But the guy right. can jam out. His songs yes. are great. I mean, Stranglehold is outstanding. Yeah, I, I went to see him in New Haven. There was all these protesters. And I go, look, I don't want, I just want to go and hear some jams. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't support you. I, know, I just want, I want to hear Stranglehold. So, uh, anyway, the, but, best, the best one you gave me was Thin Lizzy, Jail. Thin Lizzy, I mean, great. That, Phil that is a great song. Great song. Irish burr, exports. Burr, burr, jail, jailbreak. You love it. It fires you up right before the show. It was great. You went through a lot of names there. But uh, you didn't mention the one I was waiting for. <laughs> Ray Liotta was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Liotta Liotta was look? not there. No, Ray okay. Liotta was not there. I know that was the he one got one. done a little dirty because he had that that campaign. I forgot it was for a uh, pharmaceutical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the non-smoking. Yeah, and then he goes, "I quit," and he did it. And all of a sudden, they got rid of him and they replaced him with a cartoon turkey, like going cold turkey. And <laughs> oh, I go, "You kind of cool. did Liotta dirty right there." Oh, was that's he terrible. So he goes, hey, I used to smoke, you know, and he'd go. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm glad to see he's getting some work again. He had a huge ovation at the start of the movie. I mean, he was there for the, for the premiere because De Niro was there. He introduces David Chase. He introduced each of the cast members. But Leona, not the after party, unfortunately. But somebody did yell out when he was introduced, Karen. Like right away. I'm like, this whole life, this guy's to deal with. Oh, that. God. Karen. Like, God, please shoot me. Yes. I was going to say the Charlize Theron story. Maybe <laughs> No, no, tell, tell that story. <laughs> okay. So I always told him I knew Charlize. I knew Charlize since she was 18 or 17. And she was modeling Miami. So we kind of kept, kept an eye on her. We're like, you know, she was a long way from home. So I know her. I kind of lost touch. I saw her a couple of times. It was great. Hey, what's going on? So Adnan's amazing. So if this is some tip for some people, if you're in a room, introduce yourself to as many people, but be prepared to have a conversation piece. And Adnan does that. So he'll go out to people and then he'll start talking. And I've kind of, he's rubbed off on me. So I know I come prepared. And by the way, we met the whole crew from Better Call Saul. Yeah, and Bob Odenkirk was great. We had them come to the LAFC game. We right. had them. Ray uh, Seymour was there. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. So uh, uh, that was great that we were able to, to keep that going. So Charlize is sitting with Nicole Kidman, surrounded by security. I was like, I don't want to go there. And it was right. Charlize goes, hey, Charlize. Didn't want to, I just want to say, hi, how are you doing? How's your mom? And she's like, oh, she pretends she was choked on something. He's like, oh, you got it. Oh, and then she's like distracting it. I'm like, oh, this is getting really awkward. So I kind of got, I kind of got shut down. 
And I, I don't know if it was a bad day or anything, but she then she goes, oh, good to see you, Max. And she went away and then security goes, dude, get out of here. I'm like, no. oh, my God. Okay, I no, felt here's... so awful. And I look at Adnan, he's shaking his head in the corner going, yeesh, like he just <laughs> saw a murder. <laughs> I, I felt so bad for you. First I off, was so humiliated. For the sake of the story, she didn't look at throat, but she was swallowing. When you said, hey, she I almost killed her. She was swallowing. She was like, mm. And then to your credit, though, she said your name right away. It was not like, oh, hey, how are you? She knew you right away, like instant recognition. Like, oh, hey, Max, how are you? So I'm like, that was impressive. It was very, yeah, it was yeah. very icy. But then you, you went with the mom, which is a great call. Always go with family, right? How are your kids, your mom? And it was brutal. She's how's your mom? She's like, oh, good. I'm like, oh, no, the mom. I better was- leave. <laughs> it was very strange. And I always talked it over. And then now he's like, what the hell just happened there? Anyhow. But you hung it in there. You asked like two more questions. Still nothing. The security guy was just disgusted with you. He yeah, thought he like goes, you were Who the hell do you think? Get out of here. She's having a rough day. Don't you see? She's having a lot on her plate. I go, oh, my bad. I just said, I'll do it again. <laughs> Who was with her, though? Because she was great. Kidman. Was, Nicole yes, Kidman. Nicole Kidman was, was laughing at your joke. She liked you. You made some sort of joke she laughed at. And the one who had the hots for you, Deborah Messing. <laughs> Okay, stop right there. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen, I brought. Oh, he's a, so this is this is an example. Vigo Mortensen, yeah, grew up in Argentina. Big fan of San Lorenzo, the football yeah. team, right. which is also the favorite club of Pope Francis right now. So San Lorenzo has a very famous fan base. Yeah, and then I go, Vigo, hey, and I started speaking in Spanish. Oye, quiero hablar contigo sobre San Lorenzo, el fanático, and he smiled. <laughs> Pointed to his tie, which was a San Lorenzo tie. And I was like, I go, Adnan, that's how you do it right there. (laughs) You redeemed yourself. There's no question. Like, he loved you. Big smile on his face. Oh, I mean, I, that was that was right after Charlize. So there right. You. So you definitely redeemed yourself. How about Paul Schrader, who is the legendary writer, director, wrote Taxi Driver, co-wrote Raging Bull, did a film called First Performance. Not many people saw, but I loved it. And I had him on my podcast. I saw Paul Schrader walking. I said, I've got to meet him. And he was going to the bathroom. Yeah. Rather than going to the bathroom, I waited outside the bathroom, which would be even more creepy. That is creepy. <laughs> He walked, I would have 10 minutes like I was taking a dump and he walks out. I'm like, hey, Paul Schrader, I love your work. I interviewed you for my podcast, Cinephile. He's like, oh, on the train? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know where you were. Like, I was, I, I mean, it's a podcast. I didn't actually see you. But I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you run the Amtrak. Yeah, I watched in New York. Like, oh, great. Good to see you. Again. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. That is but, a bit weird. So that's maybe going a little too far. <laughs> but Barry Jenkins was great. He oh, my God. Like, he's great. Florida Barry State. Jenkins, director of Moonlight. Amazing. So you told me that actually he said it to me openly, so I can share this. I think so. So he went to Florida <laughs> State, which is where I went to university. Right. And then um, he uh, I go, hey, Florida State, you make us so proud. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, just so you know, I'm a big Gator fan. So I, I don't yeah. Whoa, whoa, what? I know. Shocking. Well, who, the, the player, he was like, he was a big Spurrier, I think. Was it Ron yeah, Zook? Was a Spurrier fan? <laughs> Ron Zook, Spurrier guy. He loved the running, fun and gun, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. I was like, what? but you're right because because you said you were like, I'm going to go to Florida State, and you go between us. He's told me he's a Gators fan. I think that's in confidence. But to your point, when you drop Florida State, he immediately corrected you. Like you're like, hey, just to be clear, I'm not a Florida State fan. I'm like, oh my god. All right. He, I mean, he's very proud of the university, but he is a Gators fan. If he has, a, I, I will take full responsibility because Barry Jenkins did tell me that. So I'm sharing it here, but yeah. I'm very still proud of him for what he's been able to do in of his movie so. business. Yeah. Uh, by the way, thanks for joining me. I know you want to watch the Tonys. Are you into the? No, I, I didn't want to see the Tony Awards. Re, 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 Who's hosting? What's well, the I don't even know if it's the Tony Neil Awards. Patrick Harris. No, it's always Neil Patrick Harris. He's unbelievable. I love Leslie Odom Jr. He was in Hamilton. He was also in the Sopranos prequel. I don't even know if it's a Tony Awards. I think it's more like a celebration of Broadway. Because uh, Broadway's like, back. That's right. Broadway's back performances. Uh, Would you like to go see a Broadway show? Yeah. I, I couldn't. I, I try to sit through Hamilton. I really do. I'm not trying to say it's just not for me. Okay. It's not enough. for me. Right. It's not but your I, music. I sat. I watched 20 minutes. I go, oh. went back and watched another 10 minutes. I go, I can't. I can't. But I think it's much better in person, like on, on TV or video. I don't think so for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 I think I'd rather, pref- I would love to perform in it, to oh, sing yeah. those songs. I mean, that'd be amazing to get dressed up, and, but uh, watching it's a little. But we did have the Emmys. I want to talk the Emmys because there's a sure. soccer angle involved because Ted yeah. Lasso uh, cleaned house, had 29 nominations. By the way, they had, they had Best Supporting Actor and four actors were up for it from that's Ted Lasso insane. in it. Insane. So that's crazy. But before I get to that, it was good to see the uh, an Emmy. There was people there. It was funny. Um, It was, you know, a a lot of energy, little segments that were clever, uh, just well produced. And it was like the first award show that was kind of normal again. 
Even yeah. Seth Rogen came in. And he's like, he had a funny line. I heard he, he's gotten some hot water because the folks yeah. at the Emmys were upset. He goes, why are we all in here in Wonder Roof? We should have an open. It was actually pretty funny. We should have an open air. And yeah. uh, what are we crazy? And no one was masked. So it got pushed back. I, for one, I, I assumed there was like some protocols. So I was okay with not seeing rows of masks. If everyone was, was, was secure, gotcha. I don't know. But I would imagine that. But Rogan said, like, I never would have agreed to come here if I'd known this. Yeah. That was the line. Everyone was laughing, but he was being serious. I, think, I, I laughed. Think I thought it was good, but he was being yeah. serious. Yeah. So uh, I, I love the opening. That rather than uh, in an anonymous. That was with Biz Marquee. Right. That was great. I, I, this is the kind of thing. Normally, Max, you do that. Everybody goes, this is a disaster. But I, I thought it was great. And a tribute to Biz Marquee, who passed away. It was TV. You got what I need. And it was so, it felt spontaneous. Like Rita Wilson's up there rapping and you go, this is going to be a train wreck. But no, it was fun. It was loose. It was goofy. Like you got to do stuff like that, man. Every award show ratings have gone down. Guess what? This Emmys was up 16% over last year. Yes. Now, Entertainment. Great. Right. And now, granted, last year it was Kimmel by himself. It was a tough spot to be in. But the point is, people do like the award shows if you can have some pizzazz. Now, yeah. here's the bad and news. And not too much lecturing. Right. You just want to get this. I don't care what your politics are. Just get, here's the award. Be funny. Be smart. <laughs> That's really Ricky Gervais in there. Gervais oh, is the for best. crying out loud. <laughs> right. The sacred cows. Normally, I say I like a drink as much as the next man, unless that man is Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> But the downside of the Emmys was incredibly predictable. Like, I'm watching Chiefs Ravens going, okay, let me guess. Ted Lasso's going to win everything. Yep. Mayor of Easttown's going to win everything. Yep. Queen's Gambit. Okay. And The Crown. Like, the Brits are unbelievable. 56% of the acting nominees were British. I mean, the Americans love honoring the Brits. It's incredible. We do. We've given the Brits so much work. My industry <laughs> is basically run by the Brits. By the way, Arlo White tweeted during, because he's involved in Arlo's Ted Lasso, and he goes, we don't have the Emmys over here. And I'm like, I, I tweeted back to him. Are you crazy? It's all yeah. British. You guys right. should be. 2 a.m. It would, it would make, it would do a killing in there oh, because yeah. of how well it was. Uh, but um, yeah. But to I mean, the soccer angle, listen, it is a show which is hugely popular because it's endearing and it's smart and it's funny and it's likable, right? And the soccer stuff plays because if he was like, you know, a football coach, like, okay, I've seen plenty of football coaches, what is he doing? But the whole fish out of water tale, I think, works because it feels genuine, unique today because it's a very likable guy. And from my understanding, all the soccer people like it because, okay, we're finally shining a light on soccer and obviously how passionate people are about our soccer in Europe. And at the same time, it's got enough of that American essence and appeal that it's a huge shit on both sides of the pond. Yeah. And I, look, it was very well written. Uh, Brendan Hunt, who's an LAFC season ticket holder, and they play on the the culture clashes between England and the United States as through sport. And, you know, like right. the ties. Oh, we don't have ties in the United States. And go, yeah, we have ties. Or they go, we're playing Sheffield Wednesday. I go, that's an interesting name. Why do they call it Wednesday? And they kind of break down uh, the differences in how we, we look at things. I think that's clever. And I think to your point, it's uh, it came at a great time. People needed something easy to watch and it certainly and feel good. Yes. And it's certainly that that said, and I, I watch it. I, I enjoy it, but a little overrated. I, well, because the soccer, everyone in my that I follow on social media adore it. And when it's on, I mean, they send tweets that are like, um, we don't deserve Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis. I go, okay, well, just relax a little bit. Let's just bring it down a notch a bit. And I'm like, this uh, adulation that is so, I've never seen it. And I watch the show and I enjoy it. But it's a little excessive. Yeah, I just, but for me in particular, because I watch so much of it. And when you when you get that ramped up, you're like, you get guarded. Because I go, all right, this is way too much hype. Let's bring it down a notch. For instance, I'm watching this show, Squid Games, with Maxie. Probably shouldn't be watched for a 12-year-old, but that's what we do in this household. Korean show on Netflix. No hype. I'm watching it without any, you know, any news or uh, crit critiques or anything beforehand. And I love it because I just, it kind of caught me off guard. But Ted Lasso, I was like, watch this, watch this. So I did it. I think I would enjoy it more if I wasn't hit so heavy by that. But I still did enjoy it. Love yeah. the opening music. But I was surprised that it was that good. But who, I mean, what other shows would have been able to knock it off its perch in well, that that's category? The, I was about to say, that's the challenge. Because what's happened is that it came at a time where some of the other big comedies were kind of on hiatus or didn't have new shows. It so was all I'm SNL. Curious. Yeah, exactly. Can't so I mean, SNL, it's on the same year all the time. Right. That's why I think it was kind of a weak year. I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in a more conventional year if Ted Lasso will continue to clean up. Because I don't know if it will. Yeah, Emmys matter, though. I mean, winning that, oh, yeah. and you could see. 
So it was last year, it was Schitt's Creek won, correct? Schitt's Creek won, exactly. Schitt's Creek, as you know, didn't win it. It wasn't even nominated the first three years. Then all of a sudden it's on Netflix, everyone discovers it. Now it's on Pop TV, which is the actual owner. And bam, the last season wins everything. But they didn't win anything the entire show run, right? It's almost like, hey, congratulations to the series, which nobody watched for five years. Hey, we love it. So once Schitt's Creek was out of the way, you go, okay, fine. But there's, there's going to be other contenders. You know, Blackish might that have that happen to it. The drama category next year will be better because Succession's coming back now. Better Call Saul's going to come back. So can't just be the crown winning every day damn time yeah <laughs> i love the crown the first season i like yeah. the crown the second season i'm like i'm yeah. out i'm out it's I just, too, too much. much and there's too much british stories for me that i'm like i feel that it's it's hijacked everything i watch i i, I want i want american stories i feel they're getting dwarfed in a lot of ways yeah. uh maybe i'm just going overboard but it just it feels like everything i'm getting is british which is good i want some british i want some american i want something from something else so yeah, that, I agree. even the it's a very American thing to love the Brits, like in all acting categories specifically. It's not like they return the favor. Like at the BAFTAs, which is the British no. category, it's not like Joaquin Phoenix wins everything. I'm like, no, no, they, they reward the British guy. Like, oh, Anthony Hopkins wins for the father. Okay, great. And he's a great actor. I love him. But I'm like, why? I don't know why we're so in love with the Brits and they don't reciprocate to us. It's they don't. Strange. They don't reciprocate. I hope yeah. that changes because I, I deal with that in my soccer circles a lot. And I go, a lot of Brits can come to the United States and work and we're welcome. And then I go, hey, I'd like to go maybe work here at uh, the BBC. And they're going, oh, hey, hey, <laughs> are you crazy? Right. Well, no, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we could talk. Uh, I don't know. And, and it's it, it's I mean, it's received with laughter. So there well, I remember one time someone said, oh, Gus Johnson didn't work out because he's American. You have to have an accent to do soccer. I go, with all respect to Gus, who's a terrific announcer. No, that that's wasn't why mine. it didn't work out. It's just, he was just miscast, right? And, yes. and I think he recognized that. I think he likes the sport, but to actually call it is a different animal. And he's a great announcer with college basketball and college football. Now he's doing the NFL again. But someone was like, oh, it's because of the accent. I go, no, it's no. not because of Gus Johnson's accent. <laughs> no, we do have perception issues. And I think we, I, when I started doing soccer, I imitated what I heard on uh, the British broadcast. And then I finally said, okay, I got to do that. And I said, start shedding these British term terms that you don't feel natural saying like yeah. pitch right. and nil. And I was like, I just say, I, I know I said it, but it's just, I don't feel like it's me, even though that's probably the proper uh, expressions, but you know, I, I, this is a losing battle for me, but anyway, I want to sound normal, organic, but uh, uh, I, I have to do a hard pivot here. Was I going to bring up? Oh, uh, so Ted Lasso good. We enjoy mm. it. It's probably going to get like two or three more seasons. It's, 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 and yeah, it's, I would think so. Apple, because it's a huge hit for Apple, right? They're trying to create more original content. This is their big hit now. So they'll give Sudeikis whatever he wants. Oh, hey, but have you seen the box, by the way, from Tom Ford? Have you, have you seen the morning show? Or did you watch? Yeah. Yeah. I saw the first it's, season. I saw the first season. It's good, but I don't know why actors cannot do a, a newsreader or a presenter or an anchor. Yeah. It feels yeah. so, they're doing a, a caricature of what we do and I, yeah. I always go why can't you just do do some homework because the way they report news those are top anchors you would never watch that newscast correct i watched the first few episodes and i thought it was laughable like i was almost hate watching to see how bad it was i thought it got better as the season progressed because i was i thought the me too stuff was actually strong and topical and showed how women are victimized but you're right the actual broadcasters are always like you don't really buy it i kind of want to see season two Hassan Minaj to support him but I, yeah, probably i'll watch it yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll have a few episodes. The guy that I love, though, because you know I love Marty Short. The fact that Marty Short was in season one playing a director accused of Me Too. like It, it was stunning to see Marty Short in that kind of a role. And I'm supporting Only Murders in the Building, which is on Hulu. I watched it. Mark First Snickle. episode was good. Yeah, Marty Short is incredible. In it. He's so funny. All right. I knew this would oh, be I don't know one time you said to me, I, I was raving about Marty Short too. And he's a huge, he's from Hamilton, right? Huge Canadian. If you go to Disney, which I know you've done with Maxi, they have like different pavilions of different countries. Canada is of course hosted by Marty Short. He's doing the whole thing. Oh, Disney World. Like Epcot Disney World, Center. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't get yeah. out there as much. Okay. Yeah. But it's all, it's all, and so there's Marty Short. And you said to me, you go, hey, too many glick. Come on. Sick. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> you gotta rewatch. Right. You were willing to give me, hey, Marty Short, okay, three amigos, father of the bride, okay, yeah, yeah. But as soon as you go, hey, Jiminy Glick, no, pass. <laughs> when he interviewed Spielberg on Jiminy Glick, it was amazing. <laughs> i got to bring up Canadian sports because, first yeah. of all, we got to expand in Canada. All right, I love you, Canada. We talked about Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Love Eugene Levy. We have Adnan Verk on. <laughs> Yeah. And I've seen something that's really interesting with uh, Canadian sports because it's hockey, 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 hockey. Yep. The football team, soccer team, yeah, 
off to a great start. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go to the World Cup, which is going to be huge. Haven't qualified since 86. Haven't qualified. Canadian women just won the Olympic gold medal. Massive. Incredible. Yeah. The amount of Canadian basketball players in the NBA is yeah. astronomical, led by um, Jamal Murray. But right. it's, it was just Steve Nash. But now it's like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Someone at the ESPN said that uh, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Tim Legler. He was going there. Are this, this, the streets, the playgrounds of Toronto are producing more NBA players than mm. what we used to get in New York. Correct. So it is a, uh, it's Fran a big change. Said that. Yeah. 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 Our boy Fran Frischilla said that. And it's true. And somebody said, why is that? And they go, is it the Steve Nash effect? And they go a little bit, but let's be blunt. It's not like six two white guys who are becoming stars. It's what it is, is Canada, a very favorable immigration policy. So you're getting a lot of these kids coming you know, from island nations, you know, Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad, et cetera. And it's a great basketball culture, particularly in Toronto, which is very multi-ethnic, as you know. And then the appeal of the Raptors, the fact that they happen to crescent. Listen, we all know what team do you cheer for? They cheer for the winners. The fact the Raptors won an NBA title, and then you've got this groundswell support. Like the fans were already aching to see a champion. This is a really good basketball team. Uh, unfortunately, they're a chronic underachiever. Uh, DeRozan and Lowry, they would beat them up. And all of a sudden, they actually win. The Kawhi on the one and done. And you've got now generational talent. What that happens, Max, is you see your team win. Now, for the next 10 years, you're going to keep developing this basketball talent. So it's going to happen. So that's the good news, I think, for Toronto. Now, when you mentioned soccer, you know, I covered TFC for a year. And listen, what I can tell you about soccer is that because it works at such a grassroots level, you know, every kid in Canada plays soccer. Okay, sure, a lot of them play hockey as well. But I got to be honest, I didn't play hockey as a kid. Proud Canadian, but my parents, immigrant parents, okay, we can't afford to play hockey. I'm not going to be able to afford your skates and all that stuff. Soccer, all you need is a registration. You're going to play soccer. So my brother and I played. Every kid in Canada plays soccer. It's not just hockey. And again, what's happened is that you have more immigrants. Again, European influence. Toronto, you go to Toronto during the World Cup and it's incredible. I'm like, I didn't realize we had any, so many Turks in this country. Like in Portuguese. They have a Eustachio who's a midfielder who's great. He's Portuguese. Right. Uh, so you've got, you've got a lot of these Italian countries with, you know, uh, families who are rooted in soccer passion. So the ratings have been huge. Like you've seen now in Canada, soccer ratings, not just World Cup, not just uh, major events like Euro. It's for Premiership. It's for MLS. It's for Toronto FC. Um, the fact that Toronto FC won a title. I mean, you know, when I was there, Mo Johnston was the guy, manager. Dwayne DeRosario was incredible. Danny Dicchio was a folk legend. But the fact that they've actually come through the last few years, I mean, it's a beautiful place to see a game. I know everyone loves the Sounders and obviously LAFC. But you go to a game at Toronto FC. Oh, I love it. BMO Field. Yeah, people feel people are singing the whole time and they're they are really into the game. Scarves and everything. It's awesome. I got some I got some good Mo Johnson stories. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sitting like good luck with okay. Mo. I'm like, why wow, he could be a little bit tough, but it's okay with me. No, he was great. He enjoyed his time there. But uh, I would always go up there and I, and I would always be amazed because I would be covering a game yeah. and I'd be in the hotel, I'll turn on the TV, and it's soccer all day. All yeah. the and I was like, wow, this is great. So yeah. you could see it. And if they made the world, because they have the best player in North America, Alfonso Davies is the best. And they have this guy, Jonathan Davis scoring goals. If they made the world cup, I mean, what would it, what do you think oh. the scenes would be like? I think it'd be massive. Cause like I said, every Canadian knows it's been since 86. They don't have that touchstone moment. Like with basketball for the Raptors, everyone can say, Hey, that NBA championship, they can't take that away from us. Just for Canada to qualify for the world cup, which already gets robust numbers, huge attention to actually be there. God forbid that could actually win a match. I mean, I, I have friends who are avid, avid fans like you. So I'll ask them, how are we looking? And they'll tell me, all right, you know what? Tied 1-1 against the U.S., big one against Mexico, I believe, coming up, World Cup qualifier. So I think to get there would be, it's kind of like the Oscars. It's an honor just to be nominated. For Canada just to be in the pool would be incredible. Yes. Thursday, October the 7th, Canada will be at Estadio Azteca to take on Mexico. Then they have to go Sunday, October the 10th, to Jamaica. Oof. And then October 13th, they're in Panama. So that's a tough stretch. Yeah. But uh, I think they've done, I think they'll, they'll get there, but they have a good spirit. And you know what? The immigration uh, angle is, is pretty big because you think of immigration and here in the United States where, you know, we're, we're going through it all the time and people are, Oh, yeah. You see the immigration there and it's, at least it's helping, it's helping sports. It's probably helping a lot of ways of life. But the one thing you see about these, these Canadian players, uh, they'll run through a wall for Canada. Yeah. I mean, that country has welcomed them in and you can see it etched on their faces and how important it is the way they sing the anthem across the board. So these are these are people that flipped the switch and said, we are Canadian first. And if you say something bad about Canada, we're going to have a problem. So I you you notice that. So uh, I, I think it's wonderful and it, it, it gives them a, a really good spirit. And I'll also say 
They're not the the most likable team, which they they'll 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 wrangle it up. They won't let you push you around. They'll push back, which I think gives them a great edge. So right, but good for the point Canadian. Proud the Canadian. Well, how about Layla Fernandez? I, mean, I, I was going to ask you. You must have lost it with the Canadian tennis revival because if you brought up Milos Raonic one more time, I was going to <laughs> kick you in the shin. And now you have eight Canadian players that are breaking through. Like it's everyone knows how much I adore Federer, of course. And Roger, by the way, said today the recovery is going well. He has suffered obviously a terrible knee injury, third knee oh, injury. Thanks, he's had. thanks for the Federer so, update. Great, so Federer, everyone, yeah, we so, got it in there. So Roger will be back. That's going to be my viral moments <laughs> on this Soccer OG podcast. But I went to the U.S. Open. I had a couple of buddies visiting from Toronto, and we went to the match, and we got to watch FAA. You know, Felix Auger Aliassime, and the fact that he won against the American Tiafoe, it was incredible. Like all these Americans are going nuts, and there's a Canadian who loses the first set and just comes roaring back. I'm like. As you said, normally it's just roundage. Normally it's Jeannie Bouchard is now just a joke. Now you've got Shapovalov, who's fantastic. you got FAA, Bianca Andreescu, 2019 US Open champion, and now Layla. I mean, she's a teenager, for God's sakes, and she beat three seeded players and a former women's champion to get to the final. Amazing. And as marketable, FAA, FAA in tennis, it's a low bar to be have marketability because these guys yeah. don't get it. They wear their hat right. backward. They don't separate themselves. And then Serena comes by and shows you how to do it. Naomi right. Osaka was, was in the process of doing that. We'll see where her career goes. But right. uh, Layla and FAA, I mean, they are like, if I was, oh. if I was a, an apparel company, I go, that's the person I want. That's the yeah. person I want pushing my product. Charismatic, confident, sassy, brash, flamboyant. They get all that stuff. Incredible. Adnan, I, I, I say this uh, <laughs> honestly, I could do this for four hours with you. And that's scary. <laughs> and I know you could do the same. I know. I have barely, so much to say. Right. It barely scratched the surface. I've always said this podcast will make it an hour, an hour and 15 minutes tops, but <laughs> I don't want to go longer than that because I always say, okay, but it, it, I yeah. see now why podcasts go long because you get in these conversations. Right. And uh, obviously with you. So we, uh, you, people check out the Cinephile podcast. Sure. I highly recommend you go next level. Oh, I wanted to bring this up. So uh, I felt, by the way, I got this week, Alan Sepinwall, who wrote the book on the Soprano, Soprano Sessions. Next week, Will Arnett is going to be on. My buddy, Canadian, obviously, Toronto guy. Wow. Is he a second yeah. time? Are you second guys time You remember that. Well, he's great. He's such a good guy. Yeah. He's, um, he, by the way, he's a big soccer guy. When I started telling him, I know you're a huge Leafs fan. He goes, oh, but I'm all into the soccer right now. So he, he loves, I can't remember his premiership team, but he watches it with his boys, Archie and Abel. Oh, do you think he'd come on the soccer OG? I, I mean, we'll reach <laughs> I'm he's just, definitely watching soccer. He knows okay. it. Yeah. Have you seen the new Dune movie with Denis Villeneuve? Oh. So yeah, Denis Villeneuve, I haven't seen it yet, but the reviews at the Toronto Film Festival were, in a word, rapturous. People <laughs> said it's incredible. And, and Villeneuve I love, because just like Scorsese, he, he crapped all over Marvel movies. Like, he was like, enough of this. Like, yes. Villeneuve, yeah. Yeah, because like, Marty did it last year. Everyone crushed Marty. Like, oh, you're just an old man. You're geriatric, making a three-and-a-half-hour Irish movie. No, no, Scorsese was right. Hey, here's an idea, Hollywood. Stop making the same movie over and over. Enough of the superheroes. Oh, I can't watch them. It's too much. It's the same crap. And Villeneuve just comes out and he goes, hey, why, why are movies dead? Oh, that's why. It's the same movie over and over. But those and do so really well. They they do yeah. very well. People that's go. The they, they, that's they, the problem. They support I can't take it. It's the same it's movie. Same it's crap. the same. So but Dune is supposed to be amazing. And, and, and the reviews were unbelievable. I can't wait. October 22nd. I've been ripping through books. So I read Dune finally, cover to cover. Nice. And then I read the follow-up book, which I forgot. But I just, because I've been traveling a little bit. So I've gone through it. Good. And I started watching the 1986 was it 80? Who did that? It was. Oh, I don't know who did the original. No, it's, I. I okay. But anyway, I watched oh it and it was always a movie that was panned uh, horribly time and time again. Mm -hmm. And uh, David Lynch. David Lynch. Who did, right. you know, who had incredible yeah. uh, filmography. It always gets panned. And I've watched it a couple Tom times. Lachlan and Sting. That's right. It's really good. It's, I mean, it, it doesn't end well and it's kind of scrappy, but the first hour and a bit, I really, I watched it again. I go, I forgot this was good. And nice. when it came out, it was panned. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart got some good lines in there. So, uh, uh, who's the guy? Let me guess, your clothes come off? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hello, what a monster. What are these worms, worm sign. Um, but uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Sting was obviously in it. Sean Young, uh, Jose Ferrer, Richard Jordan. Who am I forgetting? Jose Ferrer. <laughs> Max, Max, is it? Oh, Max von Sydow. Oh, he's in it for Max two minutes. Yeah, he's great. But I, the role that he, I can't, I won't get into it. We're going to this, this June. I'm just glad this I want to get it cut out. This is just, you want to tell me this. I just <laughs> want to say that. But love you, my friend. I appreciate you, you joining me. It's a great conversation. I know people get a kick out of hearing us go back and forth uh, on yeah. a, a, a variety of things. 
But that was it. Uh, Adnan Verk here in the business said, I'll be coming back here in stoppage time to discuss the League's Cup. The League's Cup, the new tournament starting in 2023. That's next. Uh, before you let me go, Max, though, I must say, love you too. And you mentioned Michael Kane. If you want to talk like Michael Kane, you must only say a few words at a time. You've got to speak very slowly. And the voice has changed a bit. Michael Kane used to talk like this in the 1960s. Now he talks very, very <laughs> slowly. And he gets a shaky voice. Master Wayne. <laughs> I had my I had one of my best outs of all time, and then you sabotage it with your Michael Kane. I, I had to hijack the Steve Coogan's Michael Kane. Yeah. Good man, Adnan. We'll Thanks, talk soon. Max. Thank you, buddy. OG, I love it. I hope you guys enjoyed that here on the Soccer OG as uh, Adnan Verk. I was waiting to do it. I've been on his podcast before to talk movies, but he's just one of the best people I know and the, one of the most talented people I know. And that's why he continues to be one of the biggest hosts for sports in our country. And uh, great to call him a friend and uh, look forward to I hope I get him back on there. We'll see. Maybe we do some uh, some synergy with all the all the Canadian guests that we've had on here. I take I take my Canadian fans very seriously, very seriously. No one will be happier to see them make the World Cup more than I. I have such big plans for all of that. And they're on their way, but we'll have to see these October games. Can't wait for that Mexico game. Uh, Speaking of Mexico and the United States and Canada, the League's Cup will be expanding in 2023. So three nations, two leagues, one trophy, MLS and Liga MX. Obviously looking to make a partnership. There's talk about a merger, which would have never happened. And Don Garber, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, said as much that a merger where you would have to incorporate Promotion and relegation and other things just wouldn't happen. At least it wouldn't happen anytime soon. And I'm talking about 20 years because you have franchises that have just paid an astronomical fee to join the league. I think it's $150 million. They're not going to come in and say, hey, you might get relegated. They go, oh, yeah, give me back my money. So that's not going to happen. Um, we look at... Uh, what the next best option was. And it was something like this. So the League's Cup, as you know, is, was already there. It's an 18 tournament. Teams picked at random, didn't, and nothing they did the season prior. And they play. We just concluded one with Leon beating Seattle Sounders of MLS. And it was a good game. It was in Las Vegas. So now there's an opportunity to expand that. And what they're going to do is they're going to pause the regular season. This is sanctioned by CONCACAF. They'll have a 47-team tournament. The majority of those teams, it will be 29 at the time for MLS, will go in and the 18 teams from Liga MX. Uh, They will pause the regular season. Winner will go directly to the CONCACAF Champions League, so it's a feeder tournament as well. Second and third place will earn a spot. By the way, the League's Cup trophy, very nice, very espectacular. Um, Why would these... the, The reason it works is both leagues have a lot to gain. You get these big games uh, with clubs with a lot of clout, like Chivas, America, Cruz Azul, the Monterey clubs, and MLS gets to play that. And you expand your possibility uh, to build as a marketplace, in particular by sweetening the pot for the rights holders, which will be coming around in 2023. The current rights deal, which is worth $90 million, which is nothing in the big picture. God, far be it for me to say $90 million isn't much. But when you compare it to these other sports properties and even soccer properties, such as La Liga, which went over a billion dollars in the ESPN deal, and obviously the NBC, which is 400 some million dollars, it's big money being spent. And MLS is something you can control from this perspective. It's an American game, and we're on our calendar. It is growing. The TV numbers are better. Everything is paused for that. So they were already going to get a better TV deal. And there's going to be competitors because it's an arms race for rights fees across the board. And we know ESPN is going to be in it. ESPN is going to dictate all the terms, I think, here. Fox will be in it. CBS will be in it. Maybe Amazon's in it. Maybe Turner comes back to do some sort of soccer. Uh, Fox, obviously, who is a rights holder. And what do you do on the Spanish side? And that's going to sweeten the pot there, too. Uh, Univision is a horse, so I don't see it, it moving away from that. But, you know, Univision has a lot of properties. Do they have room for one more? They already have Liga MX, and they have everything else. Telemundo has the Premier League. Telemundo has Chivas home games. 
uh, there would be space there. But we, we should see about the Spanish side as well. And maybe you get multiple. I, I think MLS is in a place where you can have three rights holders in English, no? There's a lot of games out there. <coughs> Excuse me. So the League's Cup sweetens the pot for that. So that's why it's so important for Major League Soccer, why it's happening now. Don Garber's done great business for this league. You may disagree with him in some of the things, and there's been some damage, collateral damage along the way, maybe not so collateral, but uh, this league has to grow, and this is the best bet for that to happen because you can engage a marketplace in Mexico too with, uh, you know, fans there can see the biggest stars. The biggest Mexican stars play in MLS. Carlos Vela, Chicharito, Alan Polito, El Chofis, La Chofis, pardon me, who had an incredible game. Have you seen what that guy's doing up at San Jose? So um, there's a chance to gain fans there. Now, the Mexican side, you open yourself up to this marketplace. You open yourself to a younger audience because the Liga MX audience, they feel like it's not being passed down in Mexico as much. It's a, uh, a 40 and over kind of property, but they want a younger audience. You need a younger audience. If you're new to this business, everything needs to be younger. That's the group of people with money in their pocket. 18 to 35s, that's the one you want to target uh, in this sphere. So you got to be cool and hip and all that. And League MX certainly can improve that. But the marketplace is endless for them. That's why all the games are going to be played in the U.S. And that's one of the things I don't like. I think a lot of people would echo that. Is you want games in Mexico. You want to be an MLS fan and schedule a road trip to the Estadio Azteca or the Estadio Acron where Chivas play or the incredible venue, the, uh, was it BBVA, I think, in Monterrey? Just one of the most spectacular. In Santos. I will tell you, I've been to a Tijuana road trip for a soccer game. It's pretty, it's pretty good. And Tijuana and all the border towns are not the perception you receive. Yes, there's an area in town where it gets a bit sketchy, where there might be some brothels, where there may be some uh, pharmaceutical situations, any legal activity. There is an area. There's also an area where families live and a bustling city of industry. And there's great restaurants and there's stuff to do. I went there once and it was... I saw the dog track racing. We saw Lucha Libre show. We did it. We hit a casino, had three great meals, and saw that uh, it was Tijuana. Who were they playing? Was it? It doesn't matter. I think it was Morelia. So I got to see that too. So it, these are great road trips. You give your audience an opportunity to do that. So hopefully that gets opened up. And that's great for U.S. Mexican relations. We spend some money in their place, they spend some money up here. So hopefully that comes the way. Do I like it? Yes, I think it's real smart business. And I've said this before, you've got to inherit the space that's there because if you don't inherit the space, someone else will. The soccer landscape is going to look very different in a year or two. It already does. But I think some other tournaments that might end up going away, there will be um, some things that get eaten up, like the U.S. Open Cup may not be the same here with this going on. Or you would have a situation with... um. The CONCACAF Champions League changes a bit. There's a lot of smaller tournaments. Maybe you have less gold cups. Do we need those many gold cups? I don't think so. So we're, we got it all. Uh, that's going to be something that happens. But I guess I'm all right with it because I want the best tournaments. And this is going to be a great tournament. So the landscape for the soccer calendar is going to change. MLS and Liga MX beat everyone to the punch by pulling this off because it is seismic. You're talking two big leagues to have a tournament. They're going to stop it. For a month. And by the way, once teams get eliminated and they're sitting around for a couple weeks, that's not going to be great. That's going to mess up the thing because there's you don't have time to waste here. You don't have time to sit on your hand for two weeks. If, in fact, you're FC Cincinnati and you get knocked out right away. Uh, also not good if year after year, League MX teams win it like they do now in the CONCACAF Champions League or two teams make the final like they're doing now this year in the CONCACAF Champions League or four teams make the semifinals, which is probably possible. MLS has to compete, and in order to compete, you got to spend some money. So hopefully this loosens up the salary cap or eliminates it. Uh, MLS, we're going to find out. They can't sit there and be beat up in these tournaments. They have to win them, at very least make finals. So that has to happen too, and that remains to be seen. There's nothing that's happened prior that tells you we are going to compete other then we get to host the games, and it's more on our timetable. Us, when I'm saying about MLS, I'm an employee of the league. 
so to speak. And you... Uh, that's going to be tricky, but the tournament's good. And to finish my thought about inheriting the space, the calendar is going to change. So expect this two-year World Cup thing to come through pretty soon. Expect a Super League of some sort for them to kick the tires on it again. Because that's kind of what they're doing here. It's a Super League. You have your leagues, and now you have a Super League, this tournament, World Cup style. That's going to come up again. And it really depends. You know, maybe UEFA takes a hit with their tournaments. CONCACAF takes a hit with their tournaments. I'm fine with it. I think you, if, you, if you're there, you'd be crazy to not jump in there and go for what seemingly was impossible. A biennial World Cup, a Super League, a League's Cup featuring 47 teams. And there you go. My thoughts on that. Uh, I can extrapolate a little bit more, but I think that's plenty. There's been plenty here on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I love doing it for you guys. Please share the word. Friends in Canada, uh, call your friends in Canada. Let them know to download the Soccer OG. Another big show next week. Big time guests. We'll get into that. Also with some movie signs uh, affiliated there. And even another, I'm really excited about October. So jump in now, the Soccer OG. Placido Domingo, everybody. Placido Domingo.